Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 32, called The Making of a Disciple. So here's the disciples' goal. It's found in verse 25. It is enough for the disciple, now that we've defined some terms, we've looked at our position, the disciples' goal that he become as all the other uh, modern translations that I looked up say like his teacher. It's enough for the disciple to become like his teacher and the slave, there's both the images again, like his master or his Lord. Now here's something you gotta be prepared for though. If you call me Lord, then here's, as you go out on this short-term mission trip, here's what you may find. If they've called the head of the house, Jesus is the head of the church, of course, Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. Now Jesus says, look, I'm telling you what a disciple is. I'm telling you your position. I'm telling you your goal. You're to become like me. But if you're going to become like me, you're going to get the good and the bad and the ugly. And since they called me Beelzebul, you know, the religious leadership said that Jesus, the living Lord of the universe, cast out demons by the power of demons or the power of Satan. They called him Beelzebul. You know who Beelzebul was? He was an ancient uh, pagan god, small g. He was the Lord of the flies. And the Jews did a little different ending on the word and called him the Lord of the dung. We might say it today, the Lord of the poop. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine our precious Messiah being called the... I hate flies, by the way. Anybody else? Flies. It's a question we may have in heaven. You know... And they're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. I remember years ago, I was at a friend's house when I was a teenager. And his, his dad was like a stand-up comedian. He was a businessman, but he was so funny. And the salesman comes to the door, and he's trying to sell this guy something. And he says, sir, if you sign up today, I have this free fly swatter for you. And my friend's dad said, I got flies bigger than that fly swatter. What are you talking about? It was just like this little tiny fly swatter. Anyway. I found it humorous at the time. Apparently, you don't. Um, but I will say this. Coming from an Italian family where a lot of stuff is done in the kitchen, flies are considered almost demonic. And you go on an instant mission to destroy them, you know. And anyway. A fly, there's a fly! <laughs> anyway. Sounded like the witch in The Wizard of Oz right there. Sorry. So the goal of a disciple is to become like his teacher, like his Lord, and we've got to be prepared. That name-calling may come our way. And if they call Jesus Lord of the Flies, they may call you that as well. Now, I don't know how many of you have been called names as a Christian before, but sometimes we get saved and we go back to maybe a group of friends or we go to work or maybe some family, and they may not be as excited about the Lord as you are. And that can be sometimes a hard reality. Maybe you get mocked. Maybe you've been called names. Look, I'm out there. My voice is preaching, you know, many times a week on on airwaves and and the like. And 
I get my fair share of positive feedback and I've gotten some people who don't like me. And look, I'm like you. I want to be liked by everybody. But my association with Jesus has put me in a category that I was willing to accept. I knew what I was signing up for when I called Jesus Lord. Now, I didn't know all the fine print. And some of you are learning this as you go, that Jesus is saying, look, you need to know that being a Christian is not always going to be the popular thing. And there are some people, just because of your association to Jesus as Lord, are going to call you some names. Can you handle that? Is it okay if not everybody thinks highly of you? I've had to resolve that in my own mind because I'm on public platforms all the time and this is who I serve and I'm unapologetically in love with him and I am going to preach his gospel. But I understand that that can come with some pushback. And I would just say to you, as you and I just spend some moments considering the words of Jesus, that needs to be part of what you're okay with. That people may just automatically categorize you, even if that doesn't define you. Uh, some years ago, I was in the church parking lot at our old location, and we were a voting um, uh, place, and I walked out, and I had the sticker on, I just voted, and I approached a lady, this is probably a good decade ago, and uh, I said, hey, I saw you, you voted too. I, I happen to be, you know, one of the pastors at this church and I was trying to invite her to church and she said, oh, you're one of the pastors, huh? And boy, her attitude flipped. And would so-and-so be welcome here? And what do you do for the poor? And what do you, blah, 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 blah. And it was clearly evident to me that we were on different sides of the aisle, so to speak. But I said, ma'am, with all due respect, you don't even know me. You don't know anything about this church. You don't know what we do for the poor. You don't do, know what we do for missions. You don't know how we open our heart to all kinds of people and give them the gospel. You don't know anything. You just categorized me. And she, she was like, well, maybe you're right. But so this is going to happen. You're going to have to overcome some of this, these preconceptions. And, you know, the, the greatest way we could do it, of course, is to lead with love. Jesus said in Luke 6.40, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. So in Ephesians 4.11-16, through 16, we have a great section there, and it talks about apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. We are to be used for the equipping of the saints for works of service until we all grow to the maturity of Christ. Our goal as a church, and you need to know what the goal is, is that we all grow up into all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together, contributes to the overall cause. We obey the head, but each of us is a part of his body. And if they call the head of the house names, it's probably coming your way. And if everybody likes you, they may not know you're a Christian yet. And some of you are doing a pretty good job as a secret agent Christian. But we'll leave that alone. The goal has been captured, some theologians would say, these are the early shapings of something called Christian sanctification. The goal to be like the teacher, Luke 6.40. As Paul put it, I'm in labor with you, the Galatians, until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19. 
We're being conformed into the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29. One day we will be like him, 1 John 3, 2. And Paul said in Galatians 2, 20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I don't even live anymore. It's not about me. My life is not my own. This is discipleship. It's about Christ. It's about his power living through me. Now, some of you may be asking, well, how do we do that? Well, the Bible has a lot of interesting pictures or metaphors to drive that home. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 13, 12 through 14. We put on the armor of God, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We get filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5 and other places. We have resources from heaven, but you need to know that part of what God is doing is shaping you into the image of his son. And he's going to use all the resources at his uh, beck and call to accomplish that, including discipline and even including suffering. The silversmith scrapes the dross away until he can see his own reflection. And it's hard. The refiner's fire is hard and it's hot and it scrapes and I was listening to Elizabeth Elliot, uh, wife of Jim Elliot. He was the missionary who died in his 20s trying to reach an Indian tribe. He was murdered. And he said, he is no fool who gains what or loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And Elizabeth Elliot is a very articulate, wonderful speaker. Um, and so some of her videos are on the web and they, they have an older look to them. But I will just say this, she's talking about suffering and she was talking about how God uses suffering in our lives. And she quoted Malcolm Mugridge, who was a, a Brit, and he has a lot of wonderful quips about faith in God and life. And he said that the only thing that makes man somewhat tolerable is suffering. He said, if there was, can you imagine if mankind, as bad as we can be sometimes, if we never suffered, if we always got our way, if we always got what we wanted at our beck and call, boom, we get it, boom, we get it, boom, we get it. Mugridge said, the only thing that makes us tolerable is that we suffer. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? But it's true. Because when we suffer, it drives us to Christ. It drives us to God. And God is available in our emergencies, but sometimes we don't call upon him until we're in an emergency. Or sometimes we get wayward and, the, and we know the Lord is disciplining us and we have a good sense of it. And why? What is he doing? Well, here's what he's doing. He's shaping you into the image of his son. And if you're anything like me, I have such a long way to go. The more I've walked with the Lord, which is since the late 80s, the more I realize who I am and how much I need God to work on me. And I ask him to be gentle <laughs> and compassionate. I'm saying that publicly right now. Please, Lord, gentle and compassionate. But I know, you know, I, I was telling someone the other day, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize what I don't know. This is what God's doing. This is what Jesus was trying to teach them when he calmed the storm and challenged them. Where's your faith? And you know, multiplied bread and fish and all of that. He was showing them who he is and what they were to be. And half the time they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. That's not your life. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. A reminder, if you missed any part of today's program, maybe you just tuned in and you want to know, what is Pastor Michael talking about in that specific situation? Well, you can listen to today's episode and many other episodes of Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. In addition, we also have our new free Walk in Truth app where you can listen every single day and also watch videos. But if you'd like to listen to the Walk in Truth podcast, you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app to hear today's teaching and many other teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Mugridge said, the only thing that makes us tolerable is that we suffer. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? But it's true. Because when we suffer, it drives us to Christ. It drives us to God. And God is available in our emergencies, but sometimes... We don't call upon him until we're in an emergency. Or sometimes we get wayward and, the, and we know the Lord is disciplining us and we have a good sense of it. And why? What is he doing? Well, here's what he's doing. He's shaping you into the image of his son. And if you're anything like me, I have such a long way to go. The more I've walked with the Lord, which is since the late 80s, the more I realize who I am and how much I need God to work on me, and I ask him to be gentle (laughs) and compassionate. I'm saying that publicly right now. Please, Lord, gentle and compassionate. But I know, you know, I I was telling someone the other day, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize what I don't know. This is what God's doing. This is what Jesus was trying to teach them when he calmed the storm and challenged them, where's your faith? And you know, multiplied bread and fish and all of that. He was showing them who he is and what they were to be. And half the time they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. That's not your life. And there's blessing in discipleship. You need to know that when you follow the Lord, you will find out what life is about. You will live for a transcendent cause. You will be connected to your creator. You will have rewards in heaven. You will know why you're here, what you're living for, and where you're going. This is what Jesus provides. But I think you've all noticed something. Anything in life that's worth doing is going to be a challenge to you. You know that? And we all know that to walk with Jesus Christ, to live out the gospel... It's going to challenge you to your very core. Sometimes when I look at the guy in the mirror, I don't like what I see. I know how far I need to go. And Jesus says, look, this is a disciple. This is your position. This is your goal. This is what you can anticipate. Not everybody's going to like you. You're not going to get a welcome in every village, in every city you go to. It's going to be hard. Spurgeon said, They may call us what they like, but they cannot make us evil. They may call us Beelzebul, but they can't make us evil. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We look at our generation, we see stuff like that happening. God uses everything to conform us into the image of his son. Therefore, 26, do not fear. Do not fear them. 
Now, he is going to talk about some things that are ahead of us, like confessing him in public. For there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Three times in this section, Jesus will say, do not fear, do not fear, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Three times. We were in a Bible study the other day and one of the brothers in the study said, do not be afraid or do not fear appears 365 times in the Bible. And I said, one for every day of the year. Wake up, don't be afraid. You wake up, don't be afraid. Now, why would they be afraid? Well, the Lord just said they're going to call you names and you may not be popular with your kinsmen. And you can feel some of the disciples saying, uh, what? Yeah, they may call you Lord of the Flies. They may call you names. You need to be prepared. <gasps> can you feel it? You know, sometimes you, you, you're you getting a speech from your leader and you're like, and some of you may need to die. <laughs> you're like, what? What are we talking about? Life and death stuff here? Well, don't be afraid. Well, what if they get away with it, Lord? What if the, the, they kill some of us or, you know, Jesus is on his way to the cross. Are they going to get away with it? Look at verse 26, the reason you don't need to be afraid is that nobody's getting away with anything. Nothing covered that will not be revealed. There's nothing that will not be made known. Nothing hidden that will not come to light. Everything is coming to the surface before the king. Nobody's getting away with anything. You say, well, what about the people who get away with stuff this side of heaven? Well, they're still going to stand before God and it's all going to be brought to light. And some politicians have been finding out lately that things do get exposed. And all God's people said, I don't know if I should say amen to that. that was... <laughs> now we know that your sin will find you out. But we also know that if, you, if you're doing backroom stuff, if you're manipulating the system, if it's not exposed here, it's going to be exposed there. And Jesus said this for them to take heart. In light of persecution, he's saying, look, if you think that people are going to get away with, you know, the religious leadership, the whatever you may say, the Romans, uh, contemporary examples in our, in our time, don't, don't think that because it won't happen. Everybody's going to get their just desserts. This is Ecclesiastes 12, 14. You might want to write it down. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil, Ecclesiastes 12, 14. And that's why I say thank you for the cross, Lord Jesus. Amen? Because my sin, my shortcomings are not going to be judged. I am forgiven. I will be declared righteous on that day. I'm already righteous positionally because of the work of Jesus. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. Every act doesn't have to come into judgment because Jesus took the judgment. But Jesus is talking about those who reject him. What I tell you, 27, in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Now, Jesus said some things privately to them. Perhaps this could speak of some of your devotional times or Bible study times. Jesus said, whatever you, nuggets you find, whatever you, truth you hear, use your platforms, proclaim it on the housetops. In the ancient world in Israel, rooftops were flat. People would hang out there. They would fellowship together. You could address people down below from your roof. It became a platform in one sense. And I would ask you this practical question. How are you using your platforms today? You, each of you have a sphere of influence. Do people know you're a Christian? 
Have you preached the good news to them? Are you trying to live the good news before them? Are you looking for strategic opportunities to open up dialogue? We each have a rooftop, if you will. We have a platform where we can proclaim the light of Christ. People are living in a world of darkness. Don't be fooled by the facades that are out there. Jesus says, I want you to take the light I give you and I want you to speak it. And of course, they're about to go on a mission. And do not fear, and he's going to ramp it up. A second, do not fear, verse 28, those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him. If you want all your fears to be squashed, the greatest fear is the fear of the Lord. It's the cure for every other fear. Jesus says, don't fear someone who can kill your body, but they're unable to kill the soul. Let's stop right there. You have a soul. On the authority of Jesus Christ, there's a part of you that's distinct from your body. Now, in Christian theology, there's two main camps. Dichotomy of soul and body teaches that you have a soul and a body. Die is two. Trichotomy teaches you have a soul, a spirit, and a body. Dichotomists say soul and spirit are the same thing. Trichotomists make a distinction between the soul and the spirit. For our sermon, it's largely irrelevant. But here's what I'm saying to you. On the authority of Jesus Christ, you have a soul. And your soul is going to live on if you have eternal life with the Lord in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. To be absent from your body is to be at home with the Lord. You have a soul. What will you give in exchange for your soul? Jesus said, it wouldn't be worth it if you gained the whole world. He didn't say a city block if you owned an island or two. He said, if you gave your soul, you forfeited your soul, and you owned the whole world, it wouldn't be worth it. Your soul is of such value. You have a soul. There is a life beyond this existence, on the authority of Jesus Christ. And I would say that's a pretty good authority, amen? And Jesus says, there may be people, and of course the apostles listening to this, most of them were killed for their faith. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. But they can't kill your soul. Persecutors, the wicked if you will, can't kill your soul. There's only one who can destroy both body and soul in hell, and the one is God. You've been listening to The Making of a Disciple, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew, Chapter 10, verses 24 through 32. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, we've been concentrating on discipleship because that's the section in front of us and trying to walk out some different angles of what discipleship looks like. We've defined a disciple as a learner and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know it's enough for a disciple to become like his teacher, so the goal is to become more and more like Jesus. So what does that look like in your life on a Monday, at work, at home? Well, you know, Jesus went around doing good, we're told in Acts chapter 10. Doing good 
is something that often can open the door to share the truth, to live the truth and share the truth. Now, some people say, is it enough if I just am polite or open the door for people at the store or whatever, you know, help a neighbor with a a practical need? Yeah. I mean, that, let's put it this way. That's a good thing. Is it enough? Well, if it's what the Lord's called you to do for that moment, it's enough. But what is enough is actually that we try to get people to hear the gospel and respond to it. So that's the goal. And sometimes a practical blessing, doing good, opens the door to the gospel, lets someone get a look at our lives so that we can do more. You can obviously chip away with a neighbor or a friend, but we always want to try to get to the good news of the gospel. Let's never forget the gospel is good news. We don't need to be ashamed of it or hide it because it's good news to share. Why would you ever want to hold back good news from someone? Amen. This is Pastor Michael. This is Walk in Truth. We're going to be right back here tomorrow to do part three on the making of a disciple. We'll explore more what discipleship looks like. I pray it's been a blessing to you. Hey, share this with a friend and we'll meet you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 10, 24 through 32, called The Making of a Disciple. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.